you have your Bibles today, I'm calling your attention to the book of Genesis, the 26th chapter. We are in the middle of a series called Habits. <laughs> Habits. And so we are going to continue our discussion here today from the book of Genesis 26. And if you'll bear with me for just a moment, we're going to read some verses of Scripture. And there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went into Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed will I give all this country, and I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my law. He had habits. <laughs> just, just tell someone next to you, he had some habits. He had a habit of obeying God. He had a habit of obeying God. Your habit, my habit, or your life, my life will become better if we will obey and do habits of God. Verse number 12, and then Isaac sowed in that land. Now remember, the land is in a famine. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Today I want to talk to you for a few moments about habits that bring the blessing of God. Habits that bring the blessing of God. Amen. Y'all ready? The very first verse here says that the land was in a famine. The land was in a famine. Now the basic definition of famine simply is a shortage. There's not enough food, there's not enough water, there's not enough basic uh, supplies to supply the needs of humanity. There is a shortage. And so when you look here at what the writer is saying, as Moses is writing this chapter of Genesis, he said there was a shortage, there was a famine, there was not enough substance to uh, provide for the population, to feed them, to take care of them. There was a famine. Now I understand today that as I speak to this congregation that there are people sitting here under the sound of my voice that are in a famine. They're in a famine. They're in a famine. I understand that they're maybe not for, for food or, or maybe not money, but, but you're in a famine. You live in a land that is not sufficient to take care of you. 
Now when you look at famines, there are four things that need to be considered here. First of all, a natural weather pattern. Due to the global weather system that is around our and surrounds our world, there, there are times and seasons. Solomon would say there's times and season. For everything under the sun, there is a time and there's a season. There's a time to plant. There's a time to pluck up with that, that which is planted. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time to weep. It's, it's a pattern. And so sometimes uh, that there are years when there is less water, and we understand this really really well living in West Texas there are times and years when there is an abundance of water and rain and then there are years when there is a limited amount of, of water and rain and snow it's because of the global weather patterns and then the second thing that needs to be considered is God who is the author and the finisher of all things there were times in the scripture where God would withhold the rain. God's anger would be towards his people and therefore he would withhold the rain. They would have dry seasons. He says in one place, I'm going to let you sow, but I'm going to blow on your seed and it's not going to produce. So God's anger can provide a famine. And then there are times that God uses famines to redirect us. <laughs> Sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we're not pointed in the right direction. Sometimes it's just one degree. But if you're going a long distance, one degree can put you several hundred miles One degree doesn't sound like a lot, but, but one degree, I mean, if you're just one degree off, you can miss the moon by 300 million light years. Just one degree. So God sometimes will use a famine to steer us back or to position us. But God, He will use certain things. How many understand today that the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered of the Lord? <laughs> so sometimes when you think you're stumbling or you're falling around, God's just reposed. You did a little stutter step, but you didn't understand that in the stutter step, He realigns you back into one degree. And then sometimes we cause our own famines. We cause our own dilemmas. But I'm also thankful for a God that even some of the storms that I've caused in my own personal life, He stepped into. Oh, can I pause a moment and just thank Him because some of the messes that I created for myself, God was willing to step in and say, I can help you deal with that. I can help you. I can help you. Somebody praise Him for God helping you in a personal call storm. Woo! So have you ever found yourself in a famine? You ever found yourself in a place of shortage? The, the place where, where you don't have any control over it. The place where the elements are the dictator. And so the Bible tells us that 
Isaac was in a famine. And because he was in a famine, he was going to geographically change his location. He, he was going to another area where the famine was not. And yet, even when he got down into the land of Gerar, there was a famine there. Sometimes just changing geographical locations doesn't mean the famine ends. Sometimes just changing relationships Just changing relationships doesn't end the famine. Changing jobs doesn't end the famine. Changing circumstances doesn't end the famine. Mm. Financial famine. You think if I'll do this, if, I, if I'll make this little shift, it doesn't necessarily mean the famine is going to end. But one thing I look at this and I find very interesting is that the blessing of God was a perpetual blessing. Some of us are still trying to break some generational curses because curses sometimes can become perpetual too. But God said to Isaac, he said, he said because of your father Abraham, he said to Isaac, because of your daddy, I'm going to bless you. Because here's what your daddy did. He obeyed my commandments. He kept my statutes. He was obedient to me. He walked with me. And because of him, the blessing you're getting now is coming from him. See, I want something to outlive me. When they put this old body in the ground and they say goodbye to me in a cemetery, I want them to have to walk out of there saying, he's still living, he's still living, he's still living. I want the next generation to say, daddy's still living. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, that Abel, though he was dead, now liveth. Mm, Jesus. He's dead and he's buried. He died a long time ago, but there was something about him that passed on from generation to generation to generation. Can I talk to some people today about doing something that's not selfish, but doing, doing something for the next generation? Putting some seed in the ground for the next generation. And so famine was not unique to Isaac. The Bible said that Abraham had a famine. Jacob was in a famine. See, famines are not unique to you. Famines will pass on from one generation to the next. But what we do in the famine sets the stage for what the next generation will do in the famine. As I mentioned last week, if our children never see us pray, do we expect them to pray? If the next generation never sees us being faithful financially, can we expect them to be faithful financially? If church is not important to us, should we expect the next generation for church to be important to them? If, if, if it's not important to us, then will it be important to the next generation? And yet, a lot of times we want the next generation to do things that we ourselves 
are not guilty of. And so that's the famine. That's, that's, that's what they were going through. And then you find in the 12th verse, I've got to expedite my time, but in the 12th verse, you will find that the Bible said that Isaac sowed seed in the land where he was. If we allow our displacement to dictate our activities, if we allow our logistical position or our geographical position to dictate what we do while we're there, we will miss opportunities. Because in the land where he was, it wasn't his land. He was a sojourner in somebody else's land. He would be planting seed in somebody else's field. See, sometimes you got to just sow and do the right thing even in the wrong location. God, I'm trying to hold that preacher back, but I'm feeling a little preach in the house. You, you just have to do what you know to do when the environment is not conducive to doing it. He was in another man's land, sowing in another man's field, but he said, you know what, I'm a sojourner, but I might as well be busy while I'm somewhere where I'm not designed to be. I might as well take opportunity and advantage of the opportunity. Oh, just touch somebody beside you and say, go ahead and take advantage of it. Take advantage of the opportunity. Take advantage of the opportunity. Don't wait till you get the job that you think is a dream job. Don't wait till you get the person that you think you're supposed to be with. Don't wait until everything you think is in. God can do things in an environment that you don't think he's able to do anything in. God is a... So the Bible said that he sowed seed in the land where he was. And the Bible said that God blessed him. And here's the, the point that I want to emphasize as, as I bring this to a close. If we regard the environment we go into while we're in a famine, we will not keep the habits alive that we need to to keep our life on track. Now Solomon put it this way when he said, if, if, a, if a farmer regards the wind, he won't sow. Now your wind may be all kinds of things. If, if you regard your environment, if you regard your upbringing, if you regard your relationships, if you regard your financial Situation. If you regard your status in life, if you regard whatever your nemesis is, if you regard that, sometimes that will keep you from doing what you know to do. See, when James said that, that if, if a man knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's transgression, to him it's sin. I'm about to let the preacher go. If, if I regard, I'm a long way from family. 
I'm a long way from my friends. I'm a long way from my upbringing. I'm a this, that, something else. See, a lot of times it's easier to become a chameleon and adapt to the environment you're in now. But what we talked about last week is even though Daniel was in a land that was not his, he kept a habit alive of his windows being open and he went three times a day to pray. He kept the habit alive when he was somewhere he was not familiar with. Isaac kept the habit alive when he was in an environment that was not his. And the Bible said he sowed seed and God blessed the seed and it brought forth a hundred times. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen? That one kernel of grain produced a hundred kernels of grain. Habits produce the blessing of God. When you and I continue to do what we know to do, it produces the blessing of God. When we stop doing what we know to do, it stops up the heaven. When you go to verse 15, the Bible said that the Philistines put dirt in the wells of Abraham that Abraham had dug. They stopped up the flow because they got jealous. Well, my seed ain't producing a hundred. And the Bible said they envied Isaac. Get ready. Because while you're doing what you know to do and you do it week after week after week and other people are saying, that is so mundane. I don't know why you just keep living for God. I don't know why you keep reading the Bible. I don't know why you go to church. I don't know why you pay your tithe. I don't know why you do these things. And then all of a sudden, God blesses and the windows of heaven are open and multiplicities of blessings come upon you. And other people are saying, I don't know why you're blessed. I don't know why you're getting that. I don't know, I don't think you deserve that, but you don't understand that our habits uh, produce the blessing. Uh, it's not one time. I, I've been to the gym like four times this week. I didn't lose 20 pounds. I lost a little, but I didn't lose 20 pounds. I don't think I'm going to go to the gym this week. No, you go to the gym day after day after day. You quit eating pizza and chicken nuggets and, and all this stuff at midnight. And all of a sudden, you start losing some pounds uh, and you just keep after it. Everybody's wanting to go to McDonald's and Wendy's and, and do the triple cheese uh, all loaded out. And you're like, no, I'm going to stick with a salad. Uh, it's not fun, but it becomes a discipline. It becomes a habit. Uh, so I'm praying. I'm seeking God. It's not fun. i got to bring this flesh under subjection. I've got to bring this flesh down. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to my windows being open and I'm going to pray. I'm going to keep giving when it's not convenient to give. My tithe check is going to be in the offering every Sunday because it's the right thing to do. And all of a sudden here, here, herein lies the problem. We want something we're not willing to put an effort into. It's he that endureth. He that endureth. 
endureth to the end. If, if you just started serving God and you're fresh at this, let me just help you today. You're going to have to endure some things if you're going to be saved. You're going to have to go through some things if you're going to be saved. There's going to be some pain involved in serving God. There's going to have to be some self-discipline. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like going. I don't feel. I don't feel. you got to go against your feelings and say, I'm going to faith it. I'm going to faith it that he that begun a good work in me is going to finish it. It's not about feeling. It's not about my emotions. It's about I made my mind up. I'm going to serve God come hell or high water. I made my mind up that I'm going to serve him. I'm going to live for him. He that endure just touch your neighbor and say you got to endure you got to endure you got to endure you got to endure you got to go you got to go through some things but it's about doing the same thing see that gets a bad rap because if you keep doing the see we're always talking about different results well, if you're wanting different results, you do have to change some things. But if you know where you're headed, see, $10 a week at the end of the year is $520. And if you put that on a little compounded interest, it's even a little more than that. It's about habits. It's about say, but there's another element, and this is where I want to close. The element of when God begins to bless your habits. Do you know that two years ago, the farmers in our area put, put cotton seed in the ground? Do you know what their harvest was? Zero. One of the worst years in agriculture in West Texas. But you know what they did in the spring, George? They put seed in the ground because they didn't know it was going to be the worst year they had. Sometimes you put seed in the ground not knowing. See, we all want a crystal ball to tell us what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't have a crystal ball. We have faith that he that begun a good work in us is going to finish it. And here's the element, ladies and gentlemen. When you perform the habit and you do the right things, and Malachi said, all of a sudden, the windows of heaven slide open. He said, I've got blessings. I've been retaining what you've been sowing when you didn't think nobody else was taking notice. What you were praying when nobody else noticed. When you were living for God when nobody else noticed. God says, I was watching you. My eyes go to and fro through out the whole earth to show himself strong to them that be of a perfect heart towards him. And he says, when I bless what you're doing, can you stay in the game long enough to get the blessing? I said, can you stay in the game long enough well, I went to church for a month of Sundays. I paid my tithe, I gave him the offering. Nothing's happened. Can you stay in the game long enough to reap the harvest? 
Notice what it said in verse 12. He put the seed in the ground. He sowed the seed in the ground. And that same year. If you've got a pen, underline that in the Bible. If you've got an electronic Bible, highlight that. In the same year. It doesn't say the next day. It didn't say the next week. It said in the same year. If you can endure the time frame from sowing through gestation to the harvest, God said in the same year, we've got the mindset of suddenly. See, we want to play, we want to buy a lotto ticket today and be billionaires tomorrow. Want to quit eating fried foods today and have our arteries cleaned out tomorrow. Suddenly, we look at people. My brother in law, he spent a lot of years in constant pursuit of education and, and learning and, 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 and he bought a company and he, he, he worked through that company and one particular day he sold that company for several hundred million dollars. And I'll never forget somebody told me, said, man, he is so lucky. Well, let me give you a definition of luck. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. The luck was he stayed up past midnight reading manuals. The luck was he was, he was studying and doing classes and, and working when other people were doing other things. It looks like it happened all of a sudden. It didn't happen all of a sudden. It happened because day after day after day after day, a journey of a thousand miles does begin with a thought, but then you got to make some action to the thought. You got to start walking. So sometimes uh, you just have to walk when the nights are dark and lonely. You got to walk when the storms of life are blowing against you. You've got to walk when people are talking about you. You've got to walk when everything looks like it's against you. But if you keep walking, uh, if you'll keep walking, if you'll keep walking, if you'll keep putting one foot in front of another, if you'll keep putting a dollar in an investment account, if you'll keep going to work, uh, I want to tell you, God can. Uh, he can watch what you're doing, uh, and in a moment of time, uh, He can observe it and say, now is the time. Uh, now, and people are saying, it happened all of a sudden. It didn't happen all of a sudden. It happened because of consistent habits we pray one prayer meeting and want revival revival comes with the consistency of prayer salvations come with the consistency of prayer a deep walk with God comes with the consistency as a child when we were forced against our will to go stay at my grandparents. Every single day when grandfather, he worked a night shift, 
when grandfather came in from work, my grandmother would always prepare him breakfast that was on the table. And then as a child, I remember seeing grandpa with this Bible. And for two hours, every morning, he sat at the end of the couch and he read. I was with my pastor a few weeks ago and I spent some time with him during the Christmas holiday and he made a statement to me that humbled me more than would ever cause me to boast but he said he said you're you're a very innate scriptorian he said you know the Bible and I began to think about it. Where did that happen? Where, where did that happen? It happened because a grandfather and a father that made it a habit of loving this word. I, I, I would as a pastor, I would that I could convey to the next generation to get a love for this book like nothing else. Not just to hear a preacher preach on Sunday and sometimes a Bible study, but you as an individual to get a love for this Bible. As kind and as humble as I can say it today, but as straightforward also, if you can get a love for this Bible, it will take you through famines. It will carry you through disappointments. See, we got a generation that's not reading the Bible. But if you'll get a love and you'll make it a habit, I'm not saying you have to read it for two hours, but some of us, if we'd start reading a chapter a day, start sowing some seed in the ground. Thy word, O oh God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O oh God. I do believe if we had a deeper understanding of the Word of God, we wouldn't be sowing near the trivial seed that we're sowing. The problem with, with sowing trivial seed is you get a trivial harvest. It's habits. It's habits.